Hello, forecasters. It is the end of the year and end of the season podcast. Your podcast host, Michael Hendricks, with you this morning on Saturday, December 19th. Yes, it is the final episode of the season. Next time you will hear my voice is when I start season two, talking about every single presidential election that the United States has held. Again, I'm looking really forward to that myself uh, because it kind of does get me out of the, the whole political array. Um, and having to deal with just all the, the crap that's going on in politics these days. And I can focus on something that's a little bit more interesting to me and possibly even to you. Now, so what am I going to talk about today in today's episode? Well, as I'm going uh, unscripted once again, I'm not writing a script. I decided to kind of just throw that away and I'm starting to see right now that that might have been a mistake. But some of the topics that I'm going to cover today, and this is going to be all over the place, it's not going to just be about politics, but it is uh, going to be some, and talk about the Electoral College vote that just recently happened. No surprises that at all that happened, despite all the warnings from Trumplicans. Uh, the fact that the Trumplicans are still pushing that goalpost back on exactly when they believe uh, Donald Trump will lose this election. I'm also going to discuss uh, some Christmas movies, and one particular movie that is not a Christmas movie. It just happens to be set during Christmas. This is something that's very contingent. Contingent? I don't know what contingent means. I don't even know that that's the word. Uh, but it is a, a source of a sore, a sore spot uh, between me and some of my friends that they say wholeheartedly, this movie is a Christmas movie. I completely disagree. But we'll get into that here in a little bit towards the end of the podcast. Now, I've only mentioned two things. I don't know how I'll, what else I will talk about. I'll probably delve into a little Star Wars uh, with all their announcements that they and Disney made this week about new shows and new movies coming to a small screen or a big screen near you. But we're just going to kind of let this play out and see where this goes. So, first of all, Let's discuss the Electoral College vote. Now, unless you've been hiding in a cave or under a rock or just not paying attention, you know that the results of this election have been contentious. I think that's the word I was looking for earlier. But it's really only been contentious for the Tropican Party. Because here's the thing. And I've said this over and over and over again. Um, and I, I, I really won't stop saying this. But this election was not even close. Before the Electoral College even met, uh, Biden had secured 306 electoral votes to Donald Trump's 232. Now, we had to wait until the Electoral College election, or vote, sorry, to see if Biden held on to that 306 votes. But the one thing we do know for sure is that Biden secured just just under 81,300,000 votes, uh, while Donald Trump was just over 74 million votes. That's a difference of over 7,060,000 votes. So it that, it's not close. That is a popular blowout. Uh, as far as percentages, uh, Biden hit 51.3%. Donald Trump, 
46.8%. Now, naturally, this was a lot closer than a lot of Democrats and a lot of people opposed to Trump would have liked to have seen or even expected. But a win is still a win is still a win. Now, looking up some information here because I want to make sure that I'm right on this. Uh, But I think this is one of the biggest wins, uh, period, in at least since 1984. Uh, We see in 2012, sorry, 2016, Trump won despite losing the popular vote. He only received 46.1% of the votes, about 62 million. 2008, uh, Barack Obama won his second term with 51.1%. Uh, when Barack Obama won his first election in 2008, I think I'm missing up the dates because I'm looking at them wrong. The last one was 2012, and then 2008, when he won his first term, he hit 52.9. Uh, George Bush, when he won his re-election in 2004, was at 50.7, and I think that's going to be the highest. Just kind of looking at it since... Oh, okay. Uh, George H.W. Bush in 88 won hit 53.4% of the popular vote. And then, of course, Ronald Reagan in his re-election in 1984 hit 58.8%. So, Biden hitting the number that he hit, which is 51.3%, is up there among the top as far as the popular vote. He won 25 states, including D.C., Nebraska Congressional District 2, and also Maine Congressional 1. But what is this? Again, until we get to the Electoral College vote, it really doesn't matter because that can all change. So I I followed this all day um, when this happened. And forgive me, I'm, I'm... Losing the date that it actually... I think it was Monday? Monday or Tuesday. But the surprise for me in, in all of this is that there was not a single faithless elector. No one voted for another candidate other than the one they were supposed to. So the votes that Biden secured through the voting, 306, that's how many he got. And Trump, with the 232 that he got through the voting, that's how many he got in the Electoral College vote. Now, for those Trumpicans out there who like to point to 2016 being one of the biggest electoral college wins in modern U.S. history, Trump only ended up with 304. So, if you think 304 was an electoral college runaway, you, you got to understand that 306 is even higher, even if it's only two votes higher. So, yeah, no, just as a recap, uh, this was a complete blowout by Biden over Trump. Uh, and this is really the s- sticking point for me when it comes to trump If you remember back to 2016 when, when Trump surprised the world, and he did surprise the world, I, I didn't even think it was going to be a close race, um, let alone him winning the Electoral College. Um but it was the, the the media announced that Trump had won, 
early on the morning uh, after the election uh, while votes were still being counted. Hillary Clinton uh, gave her a sec- uh, uh, not acceptance speech. Her um, and see this is the issue when you go off script that you lose words. Concession speech. There it is. Uh, she conceded pretty quick after that and Yet, Trump Lincoln's at the time were saying, you know, Democrats are sort of losers. She didn't concede. She did. But they don't see it that way. But four years ago, declaring the election over with Trump winning within a day of the election was perfectly acceptable. Fast forward four years and Trump Lincoln's continue to move the goalpost. First, they said that the election should stop after the polls closed. In other words, when they were showing Trump leads in some of these states, that's when the election should have been over and he should have won. Uh, Then they complained about all these mass counts coming in because apparently they don't understand, don't get, or, or just plain stupid, that when votes are sent in by mail a lot of states thanks to Trumplicans in those states do not allow mail-in votes to be counted until after the same day election votes have been counted so we're, we're talking hours and sometimes days of delays before those votes actually start getting counted but because they're all together it's a fairly easy and quick count Yet they they couldn't comprehend that. So they were very surprised when Biden took the lead and then just ran away with the race. So they moved the goalpost. Uh, And this happened uh, the Saturday after the election when the media declared that Biden had won. They said the media doesn't declare who wins, the people do. Remind you, in 2016, they thought it was perfectly fine that the media declared who the winner was. In fact, in most elections in modern U.S. history, the media has declared the winner. And there's been no point except for 2000 when the media declared Gore the winner uh, before all the chaos in Florida. That has been the only time where the media has declared the winner and then had to walk it back. So they said, well, we got to let all these lawsuits go through. We got to let Trump go through the process. So far, he is one for 60, I believe is the last count. They've won one of their suits and in the other 60 they haven't even presented really any evidence now they'll go in front of committees and 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 point to all of these things happening but they never take it in front of a, a judge because they know that if they lie in front of a judge they're facing jail time so that was the first time they moved the goalpost and then the second time they moved the goalpost was when those suits were failing and the supreme court would not hear them They said it's not official until the Electoral uh, College votes. Well, that happened. And Biden, once again, was declared the winner. And then Trumplicans decided, well, we're going to hold our own Electoral College vote and we will show that Trump will win. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this, Trumplicans. That's not the way this works in the United States. The Electoral College has already voted and they've given the election to Joe Biden. If you do anything else, like hold your own electoral college vote and try to send those votes to Congress, 
you're committing something that is unconstitutional and illegal in the United States. Not that you know that or care. So they moved the uh, the goalpost again. Now, they're saying that it's not official until January 6th when Congress confirms the Electoral College vote because they are certain that it's going to be held up in the House and the Senate. And they're hoping beyond hope that Mike Pence, the President of the Senate as the Vice President of the United States, will not certify the votes. This is all a fool's errand. It's not going to happen. They're going to certify the Electoral College on January 6th. That, that it's going to happen. No matter what the Trumpicans try to do. So you can be guaranteed that on January 7th or even January 6th, after Congress has verified the Electoral College votes, they will move the bo- uh, the goalpost again and say, well, it's not ofi- uh, official until Joe Biden is sworn in. And, you, you know, uh, at, at this point, it's become comical. I don't consider it dangerous because, as I said in the last podcast, and I think I said in the last two podcasts, so let's make it three in a row, that their attempts to overthrow the Constitution of the United States and the government has been completely inept. Everything they try to do, everything they try to say, is usually just met with a shrug and people just move on. So, I mean, cheers to them for continuing to try to convince people other than Trumpicans that Trump won this election. There, There was no fraud. There was no cheating. This is one of the most secure elections that we've had in the United States. And Biden won in a modern day landslide. Hello, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks. Still looking for supporters out there anywhere in the internet universe. And did you know that you could be a supporter of this podcast for as little as 99 cents a month? Or if you want to be a little generous, you can go up to $4.99 a month. Or if you want to be very generous, you can go up to $9.99 a month. All you need to do is go to anchor.fm forward slash prez forecast. That is P-R-E-Z forecast. Select the amount that you want to send me each month to help me with this podcast and make it even better each time I come out. Go to that website. You can also leave me a message. It is an audio message. If you say something funny, I may even put it on the air. That is anchor.fm forward slash press forecast. So your support today. Okay, I'm hoping to, to get this going well because this is my third attempt at this particular segment. But I want to preface that by saying that I'm really excited to be doing this segment uh, because it kind of gets away from the pure political aspects of this election and just looks at the numbers, which, as you know, if you've been following me, that is kind of where the press forecast sits, is just looking at the numbers. Uh, We have the exit polls for 2020 are now out, and I get to look at them. This is my first time. This is what they would call on YouTube a first reaction 
to the exapoles. And I do have the 2016 poles uh, pulled up as well, so we can do a little comparison. Now, in 2016, looking at the first uh, subsection, which is gender, 53% of the voting electorate was female versus 47% for male. In 2020, we saw a 1% gain by men over, over women, uh, where 52% of females voted in this election and only four and 48% of men. So uh, the female vote went down a percent, male vote went up a percent. And, and, and really, uh, this is something that will still kind of confuse me for, for years is that in a year in 2016, when we had a, a woman at the top of the ticket for the first time ever among the two top political parties in this country, and women just didn't show up or they didn't vote for it. For example, uh, in 2016, 54% of women that responded said that they voted for Clinton with 41% going to Trump. That, to me, is a very low number. When we look at 2020, Joe Biden actually improved on those numbers by 3%. 57% of women voted for Biden, 42% for Trump. So, Trump actually got one more percentage vote uh, with... Now, you gotta remember that not everyone's voting for these two. There is a, a swap. But, when you look at the numbers, 57 to 42 in this election, that is 99%. That means 1% of women who voted, voted for a third-party candidate. Whereas, in 2016, 5% did. So let's look at the men. In 2016, 52% supported Trump, 41% supported Clinton, 7% supported a third-party candidate. We look at this year, Trump improved again. He got 53% of the male vote, which, uh, with Biden getting 45%. So Biden was actually able to improve on Clinton's numbers by one, uh, 4%, which is pretty good. And that is 98% for this year, so 2% of the men voted third party versus a whopping 7%. So we go down to the second subset. I may have to look around for the 2016. Okay, so in this year's election, 67% of the electorate was white. 13% black, 13% Hispanic or Latino, 4% Asian, 4% other. In 2016, 71% were white, which is a 4% drop off to 2020. 12% were black, which is a 1% increase for, uh, for the black population. 11% uh, were Latino or Hispanic, which is a 2% increase. Asians were accounted for 4% in both elections, and other races uh, were up 1%. So, let's look at these numbers. Uh, in 2016, Trump won the white voters 57 to 37%. This year, it was 58 to 41%. He did improve by 1%, but Biden improved over Clinton's numbers by 4%. This is where the differences start to show. Uh, in 2016, Clinton won the, the black vote 89 to 8. And here, here's something interesting. Tr 
Trump actually did better than Biden in the black pop in the black vote. Uh, he won 87 to 12, but that is a two percent drop for him between 2016 and 2020, with Donald Trump picking up an amazing four percent. We look at the Hispanic population, and this is going to be very clear uh, in what they were talking about uh, election night and going forward and why Biden lost Texas and why he lost Florida. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won the Latino um, population 66 to 28. That is almost a 40-point uh, swing. This year, Biden won 65 to 32. So, while he only lost 1% in the Latino vote, Trump gained 4%. So, let's look at the age, uh, which should be interesting because I haven't. I just want to see if they break it down just by age. And it looks like I may have to skip just age. There's a number I'm looking at. Looks like it doesn't. Huh. It doesn't actually break it down just by age. Interesting. There's age by race. Oh, there's age. Uh, but it, it... Wow, I looked right over it. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. So, in 2016, uh, 19% of the voting population was 18 to 29, with 25% being 30 to 44, 40%, 45 to 64, and 16%, 65 and older. So, in 2020, the 18 to 29 actually fell off by 2%, uh, which is really amazing to look at. 30 to 44 also fell off by 2%, down to 23%. 45 to 64 fell off by 2% as well, from 40 to 38. And 65 or older actually rose by 6%, from 16% to 22%. But, so let's just break down the first... Let's break down the two, the four categories, pretty much down to two. Let's do 18 to 44, which accounted for roughly 40%. Yeah, 40% of the population. Biden won those two age groups. Uh, 18 to 29, 60 to 36. And 30 to 44, 52 to 46. Whereas Clinton in 2016, 55 to 36 or 18 to 29 year olds. So Biden picked up huge on that. 30 to 44, she won 51 to 41, uh, which was, Biden improved on that, but so did Trump. And then 45 and over, in 2016, Trump won 52 to 44 uh, this year, and this is a big reason why he lost. He was only able to win this age population 50 to 49. 50 to 49. And then 65 or older, he won in 2016, 52 to 45. And this year he got the same percentage, 52%. Biden was able, able to pick up 7 or 1, 2%, sorry, 2%.
honestly did not think that going over the exit polls would go into two segments, yet here we are. So what is your level of education? Uh, the breakdown between 2016 and 2020. Uh, in 2016, it was split evenly, 50 to 50. Are you a college graduate? Uh, so that... That's amazing that it broke evenly at 50 to 50. Uh, in 2020, 59% of the people that voted uh, did not have a college degree, while 41% did have a college degree. And the 2016, for the people who said they did, Quentin won that group, 52 to 42. Uh, while this year, Biden won 55 to 43. Now, in 2016, Trump won those who do not have a college degree, 51 to 44, a seven-point swing. Now, this year, even though 9% more people who do not have a college degree voted, Trump only won that group, 50 to 48. So, you, you kind of look, if you're looking at these numbers from the outside and have never really looked at them, you're looking at these numbers and saying, well, how did Trump lose? He's doing better than he did in 2016. That is true. In most cases, he did do better. The big difference here is that Biden did a lot better. To be able to have more non-college degree people vote, but to be able to improve your numbers from a seven-point loss to a two-point loss. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we're going to skip over currently married. Okay, here's a big one. Let me see. Hopefully we can get that. Okay. Um, I wanted to have broken down a little bit better than that. Maybe I'm missing it again. Oh, okay. Never mind. It is. So, the question was asked, are you white, born again, or evangelical Christian? Um, in 2016, 26% said they were, and Trump won that group 80% to 16%. 74%, which is the majority said they were not white, or born again, or evangelical Christian, and Clinton won that group 60 to 34. Well, that's a huge number for, I mean, Trump's winning the evangelical, the white evangelical folk uh, by 64%, while Clinton won the non-white, non-evangelical Christians by only 26%. So let's look at 2020 and see how that rolled out. So, actually, interesting that 2% more that voted this time around were evangelical or identified themselves as white evangelical. Uh, it was 72 that weren't to 20, uh, 28, whereas 2016 it was 74 to 26. Trump won the white evangelical or white born-again Christian 76 to 24, so he had a significant drop-off. Four points may not seem like a lot, four percentage points, but that's 
that's millions of votes, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's a huge number to lose from 2016 to 2020. And Biden actually picked up, and so did Trump, actually. Biden and Trump both picked up two points over where they were with the non-white, born-again, or evangelical Christians. Uh, but Biden still won 62 to 36, as opposed to 60 to 34. But he picked up four points. No, he picked up eight. My apologies. While Trump only lost 4% of the white evangelical or born-again, Biden picked up 8%. There's the hidden number to me that I'm looking at so far in this. Is that Biden was able to pick up 8% over 2016 of the white evangelical or born-again Christians. And here's an extra number, and I'll try to see if I can't find the same. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to. So, you know, just bear with me as I try to find these numbers. And what I'm looking for is income. broken down just a little bit differently uh, but family income uh, for the 2020 election they, they broke it into two, uh, three categories uh, under $50,000 50000 and 99000 and 100000 or more so the under 50000 category was 35% of the voters the 50 to 99% uh, 99, 99, 99 there's a lot of nines in that one <laughs> Uh, was 39% of the voters and 100,000 or more was 26%. Um, now what I'm looking at doesn't break it down the same at all. Uh, the closest I get is we'll, we'll go with this even though the numbers oh no they're there. Never mind, I did find it. So in 2016 those under making under $50,000 a year accounted for 36%, which is a percent higher than what it was this year. But Clinton won that group 53 to 41. This year, Biden won that group 55 to 44. For the $50,099,999, it was 39% this year, but only 30% in 2016. And Trump won that group 49 to 46%. I don't know if you're ready for this number. This year, in the $50,099,999, which in 2016 was the group that Trump won to win the election, Biden won 57% of these voters this time. This is an amazing swing. That is an 11-point swing for Biden up and 7% swing down for Trump. So there's the election, ladies and gentlemen. 39%, 9% more than in 2016, between 50,000 and 99,000. Biden won those folks by 15%. Complete reversal of 2016, where 30% of these people that voted in the election voted for Trump by 3%. 
and then just for funds, the 100,000 or more people, 34% in 2016, 26% way down uh, in 2020. That year was actually a tie, 47% for each, Clinton and Trump. Uh, Trump did win this group by 12%. Uh, but it was a far less population. And of course he won this group. He gave them a big tax cut. Of course they're going to vote for him. And then... Let's see. Wow, this is going to have to go into a third segment. I've still got more numbers to look at. All right, forecasters, if you haven't heard about Anchor, and by now you should have, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a few details. First of all, it's free. It's never going to cost you anything to make a podcast on Anchor FM. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money straight from your podcast with no minimum uh, listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, if you're interested in making your own podcast like I've been doing and like some of my friends and family have been doing, you need to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So fortunately, in this third segment, the next two subsections that I'm going to talk about are right next to each other, so they'll be easy to go through, and that is those who have served in the military, uh, U.S. military and first-time voters. And 20, uh, 2016, uh, 13% of those voting were veterans, while 87% were non-veterans. Of the veterans, Trump won that the group with ease. to 34%, while Clinton won the non-veterans 50 to 44%. So we look at 2020, uh, where the non-veterans were up a little bit. So, no, I'm sorry, the non-veterans were down 2%, while veterans were up 2%. Uh, This time around, uh, the 15% of the veterans that voted, 54% voted for Donald Trump, 44% for Biden. Uh, That is a loss of 6% for Donald Trump. Meanwhile, a 10% gain for Biden. Uh, So he actually closed the gap uh, to a 10% loss, which, in my mind, to go back to politics just a little bit, uh, is is quite amazing. As far as the no respondents, in 2020, again, they they were 85% of the voting population. Biden won this group 53 to 45. So he actually improved over Clinton's numbers by 3%. Uh, She had 50% in 2016, while Trump uh, improved his number 1% from 44 to 45%. Uh, But with that gain of 3% for Biden, that was the difference in that. That overshadows the 1% that Trump actually gained. Uh, As far as first-time voters, in 2016... 10% 10% were first-time voters compared with 90% that, no, this wasn't their first time voting. Uh, this year, 14% of voters were voting for the first time, so up 4%. Uh, those not voting for the first time was down 4%. Uh, 
2016, Clinton won the yes, the first the yes first time voters, uh, 57 to 38%, so by 19%. This time around, with more first time voters, Biden won this group by 32 percent 64 to 32 that ladies and gentlemen is an incredible number even though it only accounts for 14 percent of the voters as far as the the voters who had voted previously it was a tie of the 86 percent 49 to 49 and in 2016 among the 90 percent that had voted before it was also tied 47 to 47 so that did not help Trump at all. His big number there losing uh, by 32% for the first time voters. Um, and then I just want to look through these numbers real quick. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the issues that matter most because it is different. Then in 2016, especially with the coronavirus. Now, let's see if we can find the economy. Yeah, let's, let's get into that. And uh, as I'm looking through this... There we go. That's the number I'm looking for. So, in 2016... 52% of respondents said they were voting on the economy. That's what the biggest issue for them. Uh, Clinton won that subsection 52% to 41%. When we look at it this year, it slid by 17% down to 35%. Uh, Trump won that number easily. 83 to 17. But, I mean, let, let's just look at the, the difference of the issues facing the country. The top four in 2016 were the economy, terrorism, immigration, and foreign policy. Clinton won two of those groups. Trump won two of those groups. This year we have five. Uh, the top being the economy, followed by the corona, uh, followed by racial inequality, coronavirus, crime and safety, and healthcare policy. Uh, this time around, racial inequality, 20% of the voters, went with Biden 92% to 7. With the coronavirus, which was 17%, those voters went for Biden 81 to 15. Again, economy, Trump won that 83 to 17. Crime and safety, which was 11%, went with Trump 71 to 27. And healthcare, 11%. Voters went with Biden 62 to 37. So if we look at the most, the most important issue facing the country in 2016, Trump won the economy by with 52% of the respondents. He won 52 to 41. Second was terrorism. No, I'm sorry. I completely found that up. Clinton won economy 52 to 41. I think I mentioned that. Uh, the next was terrorism at 18%. That Trump won 57 to 40%. Immigration, Trump won that 64 to 33%. And then foreign policy, uh, Clinton won that 60 to 33. So the only thing that we had in the top that was the same in 2016 as 2020, 
uh, was the economy. So let's look at the qualities. And it doesn't look like anything's going to be the same. Okay, there's two of them. Cares about people like me and has good judgment. So, in 2016, cares about me. Uh, 15% of the uh, voting population sided with Clinton on that, 57 to 34. And this one, which is just a little mind-numbing, especially if you paid any kind of attention over the last four years, 21% of the population said that the candidate cares about them, which um, is up 6%. Trump actually won that category 50 to 49. Let that sink in, because next is has good judgment. 20% in 2016s said that the candidate had to have good judgment. 65% of the voters went for Clinton, 25% went for Trump. This year, it was up 4% to 24% of the voting population, 68% went for Biden, 26 went for Trump. <laughs> I, I, I'm struggling with this one because... 50% of the people voted for Trump because they believe that he cares about people like me. Yet only 26% of the voting population thinks he has good judgment. That... that that's kind of off to me. That, that feels off to me. Um, I think that's going to be it. I think that's... You know, looking at the rest of these numbers, they don't really mesh together well. Um, yeah, I don't see anything else that really goes together. Let's look at this and see if it's there. So, the opinion of Donald Trump going into this election, um, he had a 46 to 52 percent, 46 favorable, 52 percent unfavorable. And of the favorable, it was 95 percent voted for Donald Trump, 4 percent voted for Biden. And those unfavorable for Donald Trump, 5 percent voted for Donald Trump, 93 percent voted for Biden. In 2016, um, Donald Trump's numbers were 38 and 60, and of those, 95% who said they had a favorable opinion voted for him, about the same, 95-4. But the unfavorable, which was 52% this time, 60% last time, Clinton won that group 77% to 15, whereas this year, Biden won this group 93 to 5. Let's go ahead and look at Biden. He had 
52% favorable opinions, 46% unfavorable. He won the favorables 94 to 4, which is almost identical to Trump's. And Trump won the unfavorable uh, group 95 to 4. So if you look at Clinton, who had 43-55, those who had a favorable opinion of Clinton, 96% voted for her, while 3% voted for Trump. And of the 55% unfavorable, 81% voted for Trump, 11 voted for Clinton. But, you know, there's a difference that Joe Biden only going into this election had a 46 unfavorable opinion, whereas Clinton was close to 55%. So a lot less people were voting on that unfavorable line. Okay, so I think that is a good stopping point for the exit polls. Maybe I'll come back and look at it a little bit more in depth when we have some more numbers. Uh, but that is it for the extra polls. We're going to move on to a special category to end this episode next. Hello, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks. Coming in 2021, I will be bringing you a special podcast every week covering every presidential election. That is 58 episodes. Talking about who ran, who won, and what exactly happened in each of those elections. From George Washington's first election all the way to Joe Biden. Join me to discover that even blowout elections still had drama. Only on the Prez Forecast Podcast. Alright, so as we are exactly, well, not exactly, that was yesterday. Uh, we are now six days away from Christmas. And by the way, I just want to wish a happy belated birthday on my podcast to my younger brother, Will, who uh, had his birthday yesterday. Will not reveal his age unless he wants me to, but that's for another time. Uh, again, uh, he has several podcasts going. Uh, he has the other or off the rails uh, with friend uh, Douglas Murray. Very funny show enjoy listening to them as they go completely off the rails right off the bat he also does a couple of blogs for the two fantasy football leagues that he runs uh, that are also entertaining especially now that doug murray is also working with them on the podcast for the fantasy football league that i'm that i'm actually in with them uh, the near fantasy football league but again i have to birthday to him uh but this segment and I'll try to keep it just to one segment. Has to do with Christmas movies. Or better yet, one particular movie that is very controversial because some people consider it a Christmas movie and some do not. Let me preface all this by saying, I think that's the second time I've used that word today, but that's quite all right. Let me, this will be the third time, let me preface this by saying that to me, the best Christmas movie of all time is A Christmas Story. Have you never seen it? Take a, take a gander at it. Very enjoyable, funny little movie. Now, there are some issues with race in it. Uh, but the overall theme of the movie is, is hilarious. About a young boy that all he wants for Christmas is a BB gun. And the exploits that he goes through trying to convince his mom, more than anything, uh, to give him a BB gun for Christmas. And that, again, favorite movie of all time, favorite Christmas movie of all time, Christmas Story. But the movie I'm going to talk about right now is Die Hard. 
this movie is not a Christmas movie. It just flat out is not. It is a movie that is set at Christmas. Now, it has been pointed out to me that it obviously is a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas. But for me, for a movie to be considered a Christmas movie, Christmas has to be the overriding theme in the movie. Something that everyone is gearing up for that... Like like a Christmas story where it all ends up on Christmas. Christmas Carol ends up on Christmas. All these different movies. Um, they're considered Christmas movies because the central plot, the central theme of the movie is Christmas. That is not the case with Die Hard. Christmas and Die Hard is a plot. Is a plot mover, a plot point. Now... Some have said that without Christmas, this movie could not happen. And I disagree. That It had been pointed out to me that the reason this is a Christmas movie, because it takes place during Christmas, is that you wouldn't have the situation the same in the movie. That the terrorists wouldn't be able to get into this building because the building was largely closed for Christmas. Is not not true of just about any other holiday in this country. Do most businesses like? And I'm I'm not talking uh, grocery stores or, or or things like that. I'm talking about big business corporations. Do they not shut down their offices for Thanksgiving, July Fourth, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Labor Day? Most don't, but you gotta remember that you know, this was made in the 80s, so at that time, yeah, I think most big corporations were probably shutting their offices down for those holidays. So, this movie, especially taking place in Los Angeles, because there was no snow, this could have been any holiday that the terrorists decided to come in because they knew the offices would be largely closed. But Christmas in this movie is not an overriding thing. It's not the main plot point. It is a plot point, but it's not the main plot point. It's not the plot that the movie needs for it to succeed. This is an action movie. Pure and simple. It is not a Christmas uh, movie, and I will go to my grave on that. I mean, even The Grinch... All the different Grinch movies. The overriding theme, the overriding plot of that movie was him trying to steal Christmas away from the Who's. The only difference in this movie that you could possibly look at, possibly, and say that it, it only can happen at Christmas is the Christmas party that's going on. And that does provide a fairly large uh, theme for the movie uh, because they do kill a hostage in it and they do take these people hostage but it, it does not stop this movie from succeeding from becoming an action movie so in my mind it is not a Christmas movie that was going to be a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be That that's my case for why Die Hard is not a Christmas movie I mean, there are Christmas movies out there that I think you can argue are not Christmas movies as well. 
but none seem to have the polar opposites like Die Hard does. Now, two of the people involved in the film, the cinematographer for the the, the movie, John John Van, I've lost his name. Uh, he went on to do other movies as a director, and then of course Bruce Willis, the star, have both come out and say it's not a Christmas movie. If they were involved in the movie, they actually did the movie, acted in it, filmed it, and they say it's not a Christmas movie. I think that's the end of the argument. It's not a Christmas movie. But this is the last episode for season one of the Prez Forecast. I'm going to take the next couple of weeks off. Uh, Definitely not planning on doing any Christmas shows. I could surprise myself and do a surprise one, but I'm not planning on it right now. So I'm going to take a a couple of weeks off, gear up for season two. And remember that season two, as one of my ads in here quite nicely pointed out, season two is going to be all about the American elections for president, all the way from the very first one uh, to this last one, which just want to make sure that I have the number right. I believe this was the 59th election. 58th. Oh, that's 2016. Sometimes I can't type. This was the 59th quadrennial presidential election. We just elected our 46th president. So we've had 59 elections, 46 presidents, uh, some two-termers, a lot of one-termers, uh, a few that didn't make it past the first month of being president, whether dying of sickness or assassination. Uh, and I, I've, I've, I looked at this because I was I was actually running numbers for my web um, my website, my blog uh, that I was looking at doing when I decided to actually start doing this, uh, just comparing elections to election. Um, just to kind of give you an idea and you're going to have to be patient with me as I go through this I'm going to do this way and this is actually going to be a little bit of a preview of the very first episode there we go very first uh, presidential election that of course George Washington won that's not what I wanted excuse <coughs> me Uh, Very first election, which actually took place between December 15th, 1788 and January 10th, 1789. So almost a full month. Saw an estimated turnout of 11.6% of the voting population. And even though George Washington won every single popular vote that was cast, he did not win all of the electoral votes. In fact, there were 138 electoral votes that year. He won 69 of them. Only needed 35 to win, but 
that goes to show you that even in the what are considered non-controversial elections, Washington didn't even win all the electoral votes despite winning every single one of the popular votes. So, I hope you enjoyed the first season as we move on to the second season starting next year, early next year. Um, That is all I have for today, forecasters. Hope you enjoy your Christmas, hope you enjoy your New Year's, and as always, wear your mask, stay six feet apart whenever possible, and have a great start to 2021.